Don't just ride the index, seek to outperform it with Fidelity Active ETFs. Learn more at fidelity.com slash active ETFs. Before investing in any exchange-traded fund, you should consider its investment objectives, risks, charges, and expenses. Contact Fidelity for a prospectus, an offering circular, or if available, a summary prospectus containing this information. Read it carefully. While active ETFs offer the potential to outperform an index, these products may more significantly trail an index as compared with passive ETFs. Fidelity Brokerage Services, LLC, member NYSE, SIPC. If your go-to card is a debit card, Discover thinks it's time you get rewarded too. So check out Discover Cashback Debit, a game-changing checking account with cash back on everyday debit card purchases. That's right. Cash back isn't just for credit cards anymore. Whether it's a movie date, flea market find, or midday latte, you can start earning cash back. And there are no fees, period. Check out transaction eligibility and terms at discover.com slash cashbackdebit. Discover Bank, member FDIC. Just watch me love myself That's all I want Got what I want That's all I want I'm not sorry I'm Claire Fallon And I'm Emma Gray And this is Love to See It, an obsessively detailed recap podcast about The Bachelor and other pop culture that makes us laugh, cry, and curse the patriarchy. We can't live with these shows and we can't live without them, but we can break down every juicy moment and unpack all the weird messages these shows send us about love, sex, and dating. Welcome to Love to See It with Emma and Claire, a podcast about Western-themed erotic cinema. So this week we're examining a modern classic, Season 17, Episode 2 of The Bachelorette, featuring Katie Thurston. In this classic, Katie's search for a lover begins in earnest, and she's finally ready to lasso herself a muddy cowboy with purple fluffy handcuffs. This episode was very sex-positive, very cowboy positive, would we say? And, of course, very dramatic. Oh, yes. And to dig through all the drama in this week's recap with us, we're so pleased to be joined by longtime friend of the pod, Bachelorette alum, and attorney Michael Garofola. Michael, thank you for joining us from Los Angeles this morning. It's so early for you. It is a little bit earlier here on the on the West Coast, um, but thank you so much for having me. It's it's obviously an honor every time I get to join the both of you. Um, the only you know two people who could bring me out of uh, Bachelor World retirement and get me to watch the show again are <laughs> wow. Emma and Claire for sure. We are so, so honored. Um, I am here. And... I'm ready to go. I am. I am all caught up. And, and so, you're starting and your day so early. So really, this is a gift to you. You're welcome. Yes, the early <laughs> bird gets the worm or the rose or whatever. Uh, so let's dive in. We yes. are back at the resort. The men are finally, after a long night of being awarded roses, getting to tour their digs at this sort of Southwestern-themed lodge they're staying in there are many many woven navajo blankets and just a general vibe of like everyone here we colonized their land and we kept all of their cool stuff i would say that's kind of like the aesthetic yeah it's like now do you want to purchase this knockoff uh in (laughs) in the style of the indigenous peoples for whom we pillaged yeah yeah it's like one of those things you're not allowed to 
exit the residence without going through the gift shop. The gift shop. Oh, 100%. There's definitely like five gift shops on this resort. I wonder I wonder how many of the men will be giving Katie a Navajo blanket. Oh, no. Michael, don't give them any ideas. This is that's very dark. Uh, But Katie, of course, (laughs) sits down with Tasha and Caitlin, her her wonderful guides through this journey. Her wing women. Her wing women. Uh, And she's like, you know, some of them have to be bad. Some of these dudes have to be sus. And I just got to find out which ones. Cut to Carl, who is obviously uh, the most repulsive of all of them. Uh, he's 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 been teased as having some ulterior motives, which it makes sense he would have all of the different kinds of motives because he's in the motive business. You know, he's a motivational speaker. He needs all the motivations he can get. Um, but we haven't really seen much from Carl yet. That will unfold throughout this episode. Katie's like, you know what? It's going to be a busy week for me. And Tasha says, that's the life of a bachelorette. And Katie's like, yeah, that's true. And so once again, we see the value add of having a former bachelorette as host. For those insights specifically. Um, And so back amongst the men, Carl is indeed already starting to piss off all the guys. Like he's howling Ask not what your bachelorette could do for you, but what you can do for your bachelorette. I really Um, related to Justin when he was like, please get this guy a muzzle, some Xanax. I mean, personally, I think some Xanax would probably do Carl well. It might just like lull him a little bit. He might take a nap. I think this would be maybe a positive development. But of course, then the first date card arrives. Yes, the first date card goes to Christian, Garrett, Trey, Courtney, Mike P., James, Justin, Thomas, Connor B., and, yes, Carl. (laughs) I'm looking for a great love. So one thing about Carl, I think, you know, here's a thing where that kind of, you have to understand, like, living in that kind of uh, situation with all those guys, when you're facing all this stress and all this pressure, um, you know, that kind of guy is just the worst kind of guy to be around. Just like he could be a totally great person and you may even like him, but just someone who's um, who releases their stress and their nerves by being a blowhard and just by constantly being loud and filling the air is like the antithesis of what, you know, other guys who are going through the same thing, who are just sort of like trying to understand their surroundings and get used to everything and acclimate like want to hear you know and so it's just particularly obnoxious not, not yeah you're like i'm yet. stuck Whatever. with this dude all the time i yeah. cannot escape from him he's like one of those people that perhaps is just best in like limited doses like you don't need a lot of carl just like a drop of carl yeah will do he's he's externalizing his stress and after a year, you know, in lockdown with with one person, I think many of us are realizing how much we might externalize of our own <laughs> feelings or other people do when you're around that all the time. But that is what it is like for these guys. They can't be like, oh, I had my nice small dose of Carl and now I'm going to go like head off for a, a drink at Smoothie King or whatever. Um, what do people do in As LA? bros I don't do. Know. <laughs> As bros do. They're Erewhon. Erewhon. Yeah. Like yeah. They're, Erewhon, the exactly. The grocery store where, yeah. 
Oh, yes, um, I've heard of Erewhon. It's where um, people get, like, their asparagus water and stuff. Um, right, for forty nine ninety nine. Yeah, it's a real steal. <laughs> um, so finally, some of these guys are going to be getting quality time with Katie, as you always do on an early group date. Christian is like, I'm wicked excited to meet Katie. Can't wait to show her his personality. His personality, of course, is being from Boston. And I'm excited to see more of that as well. <laughs> Especially in the summer of, you know, the Beneficence, I think we're all interested in seeing more, more Boston, Boston. Yeah, just that's like what I always want. So all of these dudes on the Tamayo Ranch um, or resort are led into a dark room with a stage. So we kind of get a sense early on where this is heading. There's going to be some performances, and there's a bunch of sex stuff out there, as Mike calls it. Who's he? Yeah, Mike P uh, is viscerally uncomfortable upon he's sex entry. negative. Probably sex negative. He's trying very hard to not be, but he's sex distanced. He's yeah. like, I'm yeah. not negative about the sex. I just right. I'm not I just near it. To, yeah, to be Maybe further from yeah. the handcuffs. Yeah, he's like, I have deferred my experience with handcuffs to a later date. Uh, exactly, but unfortunately, that's right. happening right now. The first yeah, they person make... I handcuff will be my wife. Yes. <laughs> exactly. And, you know, as, as the Lord be. intended. Okay. As the Lord intended, right. Of yeah. course, he has to narrate the this book date. Of Exodus. Because he's so uncomfortable. Like, of course, they, they felt they probably film all the guys saying what they what happened on the date. And he's just like, I don't know. You go in and there's like sex stuff everywhere. Like, he immediately is like becoming very uncomfortable, like sweaty. Um, and basically, the the sex toys are sort of highlight, like spotlighted on a stage, a dark stage. Finally, we see what Mike P refers to as the big finale, which is the vibrator. And then the shining. lights come up, a shining Just solid the, vibrator. Yeah, Excalibur. Yeah. <laughs> you have to pull it, pull it from the stone. <laughs> um, I wonder if a vibrator would be a loophole for Mike. You know what? I'm. I don't want to press him on that so the <laughs> lights come up and it's heather mcdonald a comedian who garrett informs us is known for talking about sex and she is going to be hosting this event to find just an incredible lover for katie that's what today is about they're competing and as to you know prove their loverness you can tell who the best lover is um by whatever ham-fisted stand-up-esque performance they come up with on the fly that's what I do um when I when I was dating <laughs> like look before we go out hop on zoom with me for a second prove to me how good of a lover are you can you sing a song do you have puppets these are just oh, the things women want to know <laughs> that's interesting because I thought you meant you would demonstrate that to the guy which like no, 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 is no. in keeping with my own sense of my role in a courtship scenario which is to just like desperately prove that I'm <laughs> worthy of attention um, but first they do a little bit of a quiz Heather has them write their answers to some sex questions on whiteboards and hold them up she asks what the largest sex organ of a woman is most people guess vagina but trick question the answer is actually brain I have to I quibble with one. this. I knew that one. I yelled brain from my I couch. have to disagree. Wow. I think it's the skin because <laughs> skin is very crucial to sex. 
and it's everywhere. the largest organ. So mm. it's got to be larger than the brain. That's true. That's, That's the one. one thing I know about skin. Skin is our, is our largest organ, right? So Yeah. Good, yeah. Mm. I'm like, I'm sorry. Try having sex without, without skin. Without skin. It's well, when, hard. When, you live, it's when you live in LA, I think there are some larger organs or part, definitely larger parts out here um, in LA with, than, than in some other, other cities. So, But I still, I would just go with skin. Skin <laughs> Yeah, maybe it's and, a cultural. And, and unfortunately, we don't have our skin salesman who's already gone to. I know to he to he would have been perfect for this to discuss the skin. Yeah, he would have known what erogenous zones are. I hope because I think that being able to recreate an erogenous zone would be critical to you know replacing someone's skin. And these men procedure. seemed extremely just like befuddled, even by the term erogenous zone. So. It's looking great for Katie is what I'm saying. Yeah. Courtney is like, I don't know what any of these body parts are. I'm so confused. And I'm like, I'm trying to remember what Courtney does for a living. And he definitely sells nutritional supplements that he himself creates. And Mm. I no longer feel comfortable buying bloodgasm from him because he doesn't seem to know the the, the anatomical parts of a woman that are related to orgasm. So, like, why am I letting socks, him? Though. He guessed socks. He did guess socks. He did. Yeah, that was actually as that was a pretty good matters. guess. I um, I admit, yeah. I didn't know the answer to that one. What was the I'm original sorry, question? I, um, it was which article article of clothing is more inclined to induce an orgasm in a woman? What, what and you know, some went, men said bras. I was like, oh, you. Uh, well, I mean, listen, wrong, let's not be heteronormative century. here. I'm sure for um, some women, bras are very. Very sensual. Oh, really? Okay. I thought women all generally, at least my friend, all talk about how they don't enjoy wearing. They would bras, prefer so to take the bras off. Be, they prefer to take them off. That is very. Like that is very. I would prefer to take it off. Yeah. But I suppose if it's a if it's like a, a sexy you know bra or something, I, or if I suppose, it's your but, partner's bra, you know. Sure, but the answer is socks. So um, yeah, <laughs> I'm just saying. I, I question. I, yeah. I like, question some of the where science. Where did this data behind. come from? That? Is my right. question. Like, how large yeah. was the sample size? Look, okay. it was from Heather McDonald's stand up. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, also, um, can we just say, like, I mean, Courtney, um, he he looks. Anyone else? He looks like Dale Moss, right? Like, we, did we discuss this already? Or he? I think I think there's a, a big resemblance there. I do it, sort of. See, he looks like a a, a horizontally squished. Yeah, Dale. I was going to say like a. a <laughs> Yeah, but his, I mean, I think he looks very much like, like Dale. He's got very, like, the same features. And, uh, no, it just goes, I I mean, every season, I feel like you can find people that are, look, well, Michael, you've been on this show. There's only, like, three subtypes of men who, there are three types of men. (laughs) That's it. In the world. I mean, but I there's actually only don't. One, one as weird looking as I am, so I, don't, I haven't <laughs> oh. seen anyone who looks like oh. I do. So. Uh, sorry, Michael, you fit into the types. Yeah, like, sorry, you were hot but... enough to get cast on reality television. Only one of us on this call can say that. So. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Um, I actually didn't uh, notice that Courtney looked like Dale because I thought Aaron looked like Dale in his photo, and so I already had mentally like filed Dale away mm. by the time I got I down to Courtney. But in Courtney. person, I think Courtney has a much stronger resemblance. Yeah. I think if Courtney and Aaron had a baby, it would be Dale. Yeah. Like a really yeah, buff true. baby that played in the NFL. I see it. Yeah. Um, definitely that played in the NFL. Yes. <laughs> okay. Should we, so should we discuss? then Heather Sorry. starts asking some more specific questions about their experience. And this is when Mike really gets uncomfortable. Mike is losing his mind mike is answering questions like what is your go-to sex position he's putting a question mark 
that was, last time you had sex question mark question mark like, it was I, just a lot of question marks he wants to tell katie himself that he's a virgin but unfortunately mm. i think at this point katie knows um so he's like i just have to like take this opportunity to put it into my own words as quickly as possible um and have her hear my heart so the next segment of the date is that they're all giving their presentation on why they're going to be the best or strongest or most exceptional lover for Katie. And Mike is like, this is my chance. Tragic now, Mike. <laughs> oh, he really struggled on this date. And like, <laughs> I had really mixed feelings about a lot of it. For example, why did he come on this show uh, with the lead who's really into talking about sex probably um, because he was cast before he, was he knew it was like, katie and he was right, like well, he's can't like, back out now <laughs> yeah he's like i'm not gonna pass up this opportunity just because i'll have to talk about being a virgin on national tv um but first we get the lead up to uh mike's big reveal with some of the other performances connor uh, finally out of his cat outfit does a cute little like piano bar style song. I was very into Connor's song. I thought it was adorable. It yeah, was I thought it was really good. I love the Connor thing because I think it just demonstrates how much Katie is sort of like in the role on this show of being the lead in a rom-com, but she is the character that you write to be the heroine of the rom-com's best friend. A hundred percent. Oh my like god. The, the romance between her and Connor is something that would normally happen in like side moments on screen. Because they're and both a little weird, which little I love. Weird. She like loves that he does this like dorky little song. Um he's really good, but it's just like the theater nerd energy is not bachelor leading man energy, typically. Um, oh, I was so into it unless there was unless there was like a cats movie tie-in yeah there was definitely that was definitely weird uh for him to show up as a cat and and still get to make out with with the lead yeah no she was so here for it she was so here for it and she was here for the song which i like it was clever there were cute little innuendos but it without being like so intensely overtly sexual and he can actually sing because he is a musician on the side so yeah, I was just are. very into yeah. it. Also, I he have makes- to say that um, did you guys see there's like floating on Instagram? I guess it was like one of Connor's parents like posted a photo pointing out that throughout all of filming, Connor actually wore like a trans flag anklet I because I guess that. his sibling is is trans. And wow. I just like absolutely love him. The more I learn about him, the more I like this Now guy. I like him even more. Yeah. yeah. yeah I really like nice him. Sweet. Yeah. He's very likable. So I mean, likeable. as is Katie, you know, as is the lead. So it's it's good. I'm glad she has she does have some likable guys. And I guess this is foreshadowing for what's coming later in the episode. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And so he does his little song about how the length of his affection is less important than the girth, which is true and important that he knows that. And Katie is just like, yeah, good job. You really did it, buddy. Like, she's, like, alternately fanning herself and being like, amazing work, kid. Like, camp counselor meets hot and bothered energy from Katie throughout this whole date. And then we see Christian uh, give a speech about how he's done all the chores, and then he rips off his pants. We don't really see what's down there, but (laughs) Katie seems pleased. Trey does a little sex puppet show with the safe word peaches. Justin gives her a foot massage. 
Carl, Carl is like, I got to stand out. I'm making the same pitch as all these other guys. I have to have a hook. I have to hook Katie with yeah. my presentation. He wants the trophy. This is all about getting the trophy. I love getting a yeah. glimpse into his mindset as a motivational speaker, which is like, I've got the same pitch as everyone else, which is like, you can dominate if you just believe in yourself and work really hard. How can I stand out by coming up with a really long, confusing presentation that everyone wants to be over? Like, who is hiring this man? <laughs> because I'm not compelled by him. <laughs> this speech seemed very uh, unmotivational. I'm going to say like all of the men started heckling him. It was even Heather McDonald was trying to like get him off the stage. I think yeah. he started using the safe word peaches. Everyone was like, yeah. it's going on too long. He's really just like he gives the impression of someone who's like, I need to fill time on stage. Uh, <laughs> that's that's what I do. So he's like, I have a speech about the five things you need to know to find the right lover for Katie. And he, like, brings up a cardboard cutout of Katie. He rubs her with a banana. He says, you know, she she needs somebody to rock her boat. You guys get what I'm saying? And Justin's like, no. (laughs) Um, So the guys are immediately heckling him. He has whiteboards that he has written his main bullet points. Oh, there's five. One for each each main point. Um, it It was a real mess. And I was like, wow, this man seems so annoying. I understand why all the other dudes are like not into him. At one point he accidentally says suffocate instead of suffocate. Um while he appears to be suggesting that Thomas is like too large to be like a good lover. Um and he accidentally says well, suffocate. Did he instead. say suffocate on on purpose? I that's what part I didn't I thought I he was understand. trying to say suffocate. He was uh, definitely. I thought he was I, trying I to be trying to be creep, like tr- thinking he was clever, but trying to take suffocate well, then and make he it suffocatey. Like tried to imply that. Know? Well, no, because then it seemed like everyone else misunderstood where the mistake came in. Everyone else yeah. was like, "No, you combine suffering and Katie," and it's like, um, "No, that's not what like he, he was." He just meant he was, to say suffocate. It was actually like awkward, a very awkward. slight slip of the tongue. Yeah. Um, he was going. I just like he was going all all mega Katie Porter with all those whiteboards. I, I just oh my god, do not compare this man. <laughs> this isn't congressional <laughs> to testimony, Porter, okay? okay? Whiteboards no, good in saying, one context, I've bad in another. So many whiteboards since Katie Porter. Yeah, uh, Katie Porter and, knows how to wield a whiteboard. Obviously, use much less effectively, <laughs> and even Katie knows you just use one giant yes, whiteboard. Yes, exactly. To make your point. Well, yes. Katie doesn't have a bed to throw the used up whiteboards onto. That's just true. That's what this the bed's for in a bedroom. <laughs> Most people don't know that. Um, so eventually he gets heckled off the stage. He's like, good enough. Made my point. And finally, it's Mike P's turn. And he takes Katie up to the stage and sits her down on the bed. And he says that he wants to share his heart with her. He starts to read a letter to his future wife. Who uh, thought, who, raise your hand if you thought he was about to read a Bible passage, because I certainly did. <laughs> oh, God. That didn't even say to me, book, actually. I, I thought he was going to, and I was so relieved that he did not. The, the, the thing moment. is, I don't know how familiar you guys are with, like, purity, culture, uh, Christianity, but 
this was like exactly what I was expecting because the like future wife thing and like the letter to your future spouse is such a thing in, in this, like in this world, which is like exactly what he reads. It's like the, the least original really thing I could think of, which is like to my future wife. Like I think about you all the time. I wonder what you'll be like. I can't wait for us to meet one day. I hope that you will appreciate the gift of myself that I saved for you Love always Tim Tebow. Right, exactly. Yeah. Um, So, like, he he reads this letter, and he does try to give these little nods to her throughout. He's he's reading a letter that it seems like maybe he wrote or could have written before he met her. But he's saying, like, oh, I've always wondered what you'll be like, what your personality, what kind of mother you'll be. And he says, well, I know now, you know, you're fiery, you're passionate, you're funny. Um, And then he says, you know, I saved myself for you. Love is hard, sometimes literally, wink, wink. But I'd wait another 31 years to have sex if it proved to you that I'd sacrifice everything for you to feel loved and secure. Oh, this was, yeah, I don't know. I think we we both had some mixed feelings watching this. Because on the one hand, you're like, I, you want someone to be able to express honestly where they stand. And I support anyone's like personal decision to do what they want to or don't want to with their own body with regards to sex but it does just illuminate this like fundamental thing in purity culture that I find so uncomfortable which is this idea that like sacrificing like not having sexual experiences somehow elevates you and that is something you like need to give up in order to show respect to a future partner and like there's just like a fundamental worldview in that that I find sort of disturbing, Um, you know, the idea that having sexual experiences, especially with someone who isn't perhaps the person you end up with in a long-term partnership or marriage with, um, somehow like denigrates you and denigrates your, your love for your future partner. And that's just like, that is not how I feel about sex. Obviously, anyone who's listened to this show knows that, like, that's not how either of us views. That's not how Katie feels. That's about not also I mean, not how Katie feels about sex. I think that Katie does seem to know pretty early on in this what's happening, and yeah. she's very sweet and very touched. She's um, she weeps. She's like he knows who I am, as he said in his little speech, and he's still here for me, and that means so much. He wins kind of the prize as the greatest lover for Katie. And he's like, well, that shows intimacy comes in many forms. And it does. It does. And like, that's absolutely true. I I don't think he should be like ashamed of who he is or that there's anything no. wacky or shameful about being a virgin. But like we're still in this very sweet letter kind of perpetuating, yeah, the idea that waiting 31 years to have sex is going to prove to your future spouse that you're going to sacrifice to keep them secure and loved. And that doesn't track to me. That's not like a healthy way of looking at sex to me. And also it's like you show up and you're like, I have this gift for you, right? Like I saved this for you. And your Katie's like, thank you. Like this isn't what I asked for. <laughs> right. You know, she doesn't respond that way, but it's true that it's not what she asked for. Like you, you, there's the assumption that every spouse would obviously prefer that their partner be a virgin. And lots of people do not feel that way. Uh, some people do. And again, like, 
And that used to cause me a lot of stress when I thought that I was going to wait until marriage. I was like, oh my God, I'm going to meet someone someday and fall in love and he's going to have not waited for marriage and I'm going to be so bitter about it. (laughs) Be like, I (laughs) saved this beautiful sexuality for you as a gift. And you gave me bub kiss. You gave me bub. How can I ever trust you to to make me feel loved and secure? And letting go of that, I think, is was a lot healthier. Yeah, for me. (laughs) Um, But I mean, having come off of so recently Luke P in Hannah's season and the really violent and dominant way that you can see purity culture being enforced by men. um, Obviously, Mike P is a much more gentle and uh, I was going to say his presentation is much softer. He doesn't seem to be coming at this, uh, at least from what we've seen from a place of like particular judgment towards Katie. Like we haven't seen that energy at all. He does know that she's not a virgin. He does know that she, you know, feels very comfortable talking about sex and like he's still there showing up. So, you know, that's great. Um, And it shouldn't certainly shouldn't be like, disqualifying that he's a virgin I just do question if those like worldviews will I mean, at unless, some point clash right, with each I, other. I think that it would be totally fair and I I don't think Katie probably feels ready to do this or comfortable it would be fair to be like well I don't want to have a pre-marriage courtship that does not include sex, sex and that's yeah. valid so it's valid for me not to want to like commit to someone who won't have sex with me until we're married I think that's valid as well. Um, but they're not far enough along for that conversation, I think. I also think there's two ways of, you know, that people are sort of looking at this in general, which is one is like, oh, I feel bad for him. You know, he was, he, you know, the producers obviously put him on this date to make him feel very uncomfortable. But, you know, on the flip side of the, and, and while that might be true, on the flip side of that, this is a very big fundamental issue that if someone is there, like Katie's, you know, genuinely looking for, you know, a, a long-term partner or, you know, a husband, whatever, whatever you want to say, whatever she's look, you know, ultimately looking for, um, you know, there's something like you, you, you're going to, it's going to come up, you're going to need to know. And if you're agreeing to do, to be a, a, a member of this cast on, uh, on Katie's season, like you have to know, like you have to know. And so I, I, I don't, you know, I, I, while I think he did an admirable job of, of being honest and, and, you know, and still, you know, not, you know, sort of quitting and going home and, and just saying like, I'm not even going to do this. I mean, I think he, he did, he was vulnerable and he did, he did do this, but at the same time, it's like, come on, man, like you had to know, like this was going to come up and, and it's sooner or later, you know, this is a fundamental issue. Like this isn't going to, it's not going to be, you're not going to get to have the first time you talk about this be on the, um, in the fantasy suite, you know, when you're down to the final three, dude, like, you know, yeah, it's only episode two and, you know, maybe it did, you know, come quick. And I, I, I tried not to say that's what she said when he said that, sorry, (laughs) but, um, you know, but, um, but at the same time, like, you know, this is, yeah, if this is a fundamental issue and, and something that could, you, you could cause both of you to be like, no, you know, you, you might be wonderful, but, you know, we're just not right for each other. It's it's better to know now, you know, so yeah, I, I don't I sort totally of buy agree. into the I don't sort of buy into the Mike P is a victim of producers who, you know, put him on that date just to make him feel a certain way. Like, no, this is the this is the theme of, of the of the season and because it's part of who Katie is. And, and it's going to come up and, and better better sooner than later. 
Yeah, I mean, fundamentally, that is kind of the point of this date and doing it so early. It's that it's important to her to know that she'll be on the same sexual wavelength as the guy that she's going to end up with. And so the act that like the point is to suss out which men are not going to be compatible with her in that arena. Um, And he certainly had the opportunity to not come on the season if he felt uncomfortable with courting someone whose sexuality is so central to her public identity. Who do you think he was on? Who like, was he supposed to be like, he thought maybe Maddie would be the bachelorette. I mean, who, who do you think was the, I think often you do apply, right? Like you, you might apply maybe when it was Peter's season and there were lots of young godly women. And then, (laughs) yeah. And then you're just in the pool for whatever. Who was on Matt's season who might've fallen? I feel like I've already. That's what I was trying to think. And I I couldn't think of it. Yeah. I don't even, because Matt was very, religious as well so it wouldn't surprise me if they but i don't think that that was like a central element in no the not of, of the that certainly that wasn't i feel like we knew pretty early on that katie was the bachelorette too i mean like yeah. this wasn't one of the seasons where it was like True. one thing and they pulled and all of a sudden it's someone else you know um, well you never you never know i guess anyway. you just like you're like hope i get like a hannah b type person and um so moving on to the night date katie has some time with Connor, they get to kiss again without him getting whisker paint all over her face. A little bit less upsetting. Uh, I don't know. His hand placement was still very awkward <laughs> what is and with right all in the her guys hair. And asking permission to kiss. What is with that? The, this it's season consent, is Michael. Oh come on! Like I don't know. I I, I agree with obviously. I I fully agree with <laughs> consent, but like. I, I think the least romantic thing is is to can I kiss you now? Like I, I, I just, think if like, you're not you go, sure, you it's it. always better to ask. Obviously, I think like oh, it's an interesting thing. I don't know. I feel like of two minds about it because I think it's like never a bad thing to ask. Like you're gonna be more certain, and you should always be looking for like clear and uh, enthusiastic consent. On the other hand, I think there are a lot of situations where, like, once you are getting to know someone, there are um, physical and verbal and social cues that you can pick up on that make it clear that someone is, like, into you and and wants to kiss you. And I think that part of the reason that there has been so much um, emphasis on verbal enthusiastic consent is because a lot of men – don't care to or are not socialized to really be intentional and tune into those cues. So I don't know. Well, it gets back to that, that thing of like part of romance and flirtation is feeling like you're being seen by the other person in a very meaningful and profound way. And if you feel like you're sending off a lot of kiss me vibes and the guy's like, well, can I kiss you? It definitely could, I think, create a moment where you're like, are you capable of, like, reading <laughs> right. me right now? Like, yeah. Um, at the same time, I do probably prefer that to someone just, like, latching Grabbing. his face sure. onto my face with when I don't want them to. And that's that's one of the complexities. <laughs> the complexities of seduction. Um, well, and also in the, on The Bachelorette, I will tell you, you know, certain certain men just think that just by getting a kiss, they have checked this magical box that automatically mm-hmm. entitles them, entitles them to a rose from every ceremony forward. But she kissed me, you know, like that kind of thing. And it, and that is a situation where 
they're just they're just not picking up on any clues. She could be totally giving them vibes and body language that she doesn't want to make out in the moment. But he's just so in his brain, I got to get this kiss because it, it guarantees me a rose or some sort of, you know, Neanderthal, you know, oh, there's mentality. so that and, energy. And that happens. That happens a lot. Yeah. What, what I think is, you know, maybe and this is maybe me sort of um, projecting, you know, my own feelings in my, uh, on this is that unless a girl is like, it's very obvious that she wants me to kiss her. I'm not even trying. So in which case, right. like, I, I think like asking and, and and even if I start to move in and she backs away, then I'm like, okay, you know, like we're, you know, we're back. Well, so, Michael, what, what you're saying you, is that you are a person Netflix? who is attuned to like the feelings and signals that the people yeah. you're interacting with and very romantically are giving so, off, which is yeah, good. <laughs> like I need like full obvious you know, signal. So, I, I mean, I just think, um, I, and I do obviously fully, obviously support, um, you know, full consent. You're like, I am pro like, consent. For a, kid, for, like a, for a little kiss. Yeah. Like, Sorry, Michael, clear, we're but, frank inviting just... all of this. Everyone's going to know that you do not support. Consent. Michael hates consent. <laughs> right. It also creates this odd thing where it's like, is she going to feel fully empowered to be like, I mean, no, no. thank you. Yeah. Like, it's just, it right. is. Have I ever yeah. seen, like, maybe once or twice I've seen a bachelorette say, like, no to a kiss in, in such a way. But usually they're like, sure. Sure. I'm here to kiss everyone. Um, let's get, let's, let's wrap up this group, group date. Um, Katie has a couple more significant conversations. Mike tells her that he feels bad for his future wife because he has so much sexual energy built up that he's going to unleash on her. Oh, no, Mike. I'm terrified. Uh, she sits down with Carl, who um, is like, you got out of a relationship two years ago. So did I. I can't tell you about it. No I details on that. hated Just want to keep it vague. So much. He's like, he I don't think you can focus on anything if I give you any details about anything. This is like the most in- infuriating and for- it-, it felt like a man- such a manipulative conversational tactic to like draw out information from her and be like, no, we're connected. We're exactly the same. But no, I will divulge nothing about this to you. And in fact, by doing so, that's actually me centering you. So you should be grateful. I won't even yeah. tell you about my past relationship. Oh, I hated it so much. This is his move, too, is to get an emotional attachment from her by uh, vaguely hinting at uh, emotional topics and then withholding details and then being like, but we're connected, right? Um, And that comes up again later. Uh, And then Katie talks to Thomas, who's in like a real estate, 1970s real estate agent, Red Blazer. And she's like, I keep thinking about you, even though I don't know anything about you. And Thomas is like, I'm in. He's emboldened. He's like, you know, it's something special when you can't even explain it. It's like magic. And then they make out. Thomas is feeling very confident. And he gets the group date rose. I was going to say, he gets the rose from that. I mean, look, sometimes you just have a feeling about someone. It was a good make out. That was a good make out. Yeah. She was into it. Very good for both of them. They They seemed into into it. it. They seemed very into it. Look, they're bottom parts are just they want to get close and I think that's what we're seeing in there she's like I don't know what it is I don't know what it is about you but I just I keep thinking about you maybe it's that I'm insanely sexually attracted to you and maybe it's the magic of New Mexico (laughs) the magic of New Mexico it is a magical place to fall in love that's what I hear Uh, on that note I think that it's a perfect time for us to take a quick break can you keep up 
This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. Emma, what's the first thing that you would do if you had an extra hour in your day? Would it be sleep? Would it be get a delicious pastry from the bake shop around the corner? Would it be, I don't know, get some actual writing done? Yeah. Ugh. Read a book. I mean, my list is extremely long these days. There are Same. not a lot of hours <laughs> to spare. And, you know, a lot of us do spend our lives wishing we had more time. The best way to squeeze that special thing into your schedule is to know what's important to you and actually make it a priority. Yeah, this is something that I am often working on with my therapist. It helps you find what matters to you so you can do more of it. If you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online, designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. Just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist and switch therapists at any time for no additional charge. Learn to make time for what makes you happy with BetterHelp. Visit betterhelp.com slash love to see it today to get 10% off your first month. That's betterhelp, H-E-L-P.com slash love to see it. So it's been a few years now, but I still look back on my time planning my wedding so fondly. I mean, I was so excited to get married to my partner and to plan a big party that really reflected who we are and our friend groups and our families. And it was also very complicated and there were lots of moving parts. It wasn't always easy. Well, Claire, maybe you should have used Zola because you can plan your entire wedding in one convenient place with Zola. Yes, I thought this many times in the years since. I mean, with Zola, you have free planning tools like a customizable checklist and website. There's a venue and vendor discovery tool that matches you with your dream team. I mean, everything on Zola is just designed to make your wedding journey as easy as possible. And with invites that are super fun to create and a wedding registry packed with gifts that you actually want, Zola takes you from save the date right to think so much without breaking a sweat. When I was planning my wedding, honestly, it was just so hard to keep track of every component of the planning process, it would have been so much easier in retrospect and let me enjoy the really fun parts of planning a wedding more if I just had everything centralized. And that is exactly what Zola makes so easy. I mean, that is like the number one advice I would give anyone planning a wedding today. Start planning at Zola.com. That's Z-O-L-A.com. Are you one of those people who thinks they don't have time to prioritize wellness? If so, Aloe Moves is here to change your whole mindset. From beginner to advanced, Aloe Moves has the flower class that will fit your whole schedule, even if your schedule is very complicated and ever-changing like mine is. And their classes range from five minutes to an hour, depending on what you're feeling that day, which is so convenient. They've got award-winning workouts like sweat-inducing yoga flows, hit classes, or reformer Pilates workouts. Truly, truly have it all. Because you can also find stress relief with meditations, affirmations, face yoga, gua sha, dry brushing, and journaling for those quieter moments. I am one of those people who really struggles to prioritize wellness. I did before I had kids, and now it's even harder because you're always doing pickup or drop-off. You're making a lunch. You're like dealing with some need that your children have or you're working. And Aloe Moves allows me to just fit those workouts in 
in those spare moments, when I find myself with an extra 30 minutes of time, I can do a yoga class. I can do something that gets my heart rate up and it really works with my lifestyle. So unlock your personal wellness routine with Aloe Moves. Go to alomoves.com now and use code LTSI20 for an exclusive 30-day free trial and enjoy 20% off an annual membership. That's alomoves.com code LTSI20. Alomoves.com code LTSI20. And we're back. So it's time for the first one-on-one date of the season. And surprise, surprise, it goes to Greg. Let's let our love run wild. First impression, Rose, and the first one-on-one. Greg is basically married to Katie now. Yeah, Um, this this dude is going far. And they are going to have a date whose aesthetic I saw many people convincingly compare to a Twilight movie. Katie drives to the villa where the guys are staying in a red pickup truck down a country road. Um, They're both wearing jeans and sort of warm-toned plaid jackets, so they basically match. It's an extremely Um, Pacific Northwest vibe. (laughs) And she is taking Greg fishing, which is something she used to do with her late father, who died in 2012. And Greg does not seem comfortable in this outdoorsy environment. They're kind of um, doing camping activities to to get started. It's like no, a, he does a camping claim, bait and switch date. He claims that he's very outdoorsy. <laughs> it seems like he specifically grew up going fishing, but like nothing else really to do with the yeah. outdoors. Well, he's from New Jersey, right? And so, <laughs> and and I grew up. Look, and I, having grown up on Long Island, I can say. You know, you do go fishing, but it's like off of a boat or off of a dock, you know, like you're not setting up a tent and then fishing on the river. He was set up like she should have taken him fishing off of a boat and he could have really shined. And instead, (laughs) she stood back and laughed while he tried to set up a tent without any directions. Yeah, Um, no pitching, no pitching a tent jokes either i didn't understand no. i thought this was sex positive what, well if he'd I, done I, I well she probably jokes. would have been like greg really knows how to pitch a tent but like yeah, yeah. you don't want to be like greg's attempt to pitch a, a tent was really deflating you know or or camping can be pretty intense yeah <laughs> um oh michael um so Sorry. then uh she tells uh, Greg, that her dad used to make a toilet for camping trips by cutting a hole in the bottom of an upturned bucket, uh, which she has him do with an axe, um, as any seasoned outdoorsman would do, just like hack away at a plastic flimsy plastic tub with a with a pick with a with a hatchet, and then they just sort of hang out on their bucket toilet and look at the mountains. It's very romantic. Uh, they make out. Uh, and she's like, I feel like Greg's my boyfriend. That's yeah, she made. They made out while he was sitting on the on the on the bucket you know? toilet. Oh, yeah, nothing yeah. hotter. That's the, a level yeah. of commitment that I'm not willing to enter into in a relationship until after I'm widowed. Like I'm like, I'm not there yet. I'm married, and I'm not ready for that. Um, I wanted him to stop in the middle of kissing her and ask her to like hand him a piece of toilet paper or something. I thought that would have been funny. <laughs> he didn't commit to the bit that much. <laughs> Not as much no. as Katie could have gone did. further. 
Um, Katie's like, I can't believe you're sitting on the toilet while we're making out. And you can tell he's like, I wasn't really thinking about it that way, but okay, I guess. <laughs> also, yeah. was, was, did anyone else find it jarring that you're going into the middle of the woods with a man you just met and giving him an ax? I don't know. I thought that was just like where <laughs> my brain, I was like, whoa, She's these very people trusting. have not watched any horror movies. <laughs> I mean, this is what dating and courtship is for women. It's like, you find a strong guy, you make sure he has an ax, and then you're like, well, Either he'll kill me and it'll all be over, you know, mercifully, or he'll protect me from or other he'll things. Make me yeah, <laughs> or he'll, he'll make, make me a toilet. Or he'll make me a toilet. Yeah. Um, and this is when Katie decides to sort of open up to Greg as they're fishing about her dad and how important these trips were for the two of them and how by coming on this date with her, this is the closest any of them will get to meeting her dad. And... He asked, you know, was was losing him? Has that shaped you as a person? And she says, yeah, um, but it's it's hard to talk about. She gets choked up. And he's like, I totally understand. And little do we know how much he understands until later. He's like, I totally understand. It's okay. In the moment, I felt like he could have done a better job. Like, he wasn't really comforting her. His arm isn't around her. He's just I like, felt it's okay. Like, he, like I, un- I felt like seeing him later talk about his own loss. Like, well, right. I was like wondering I said, if in, in the moment, in that moment, he was sort of accessing a bit of his own trauma and feeling like uncomfortable and not knowing how to talk about it or not wanting to talk about it in that moment. And so he actually ended up coming off sort of like standoffish um, and removed. And yeah. You know, I guess that's probably explained by by their later conversation. But in the moment, I was like, this feels weird. Yeah. yeah. And I also wondered, you know, in that there's so many ways to look at it. Just like you, Emma, like you just said, is in that moment, knowing what we know now, like, wouldn't it have been appropriate for him to say, I, you know, I also know how that feels. And yet at the same time, maybe it's good that he didn't because he, you know, he doesn't want to take how she's feeling and what she's going through in that moment and then make it about him. Like, Mm. like, Oh, you know, like you're, you lost your father. You're sad. Well, guess what? So did I, you know, (laughs) even though it's a, it's a bond, it's like he wanted to be, I I think, like you said, I think he was processing and feeling something in that moment and was like maybe a little bit of his own fog. Um, But I think also, you know, he wants to let her grieve and not all of a sudden be like, Hey, so like, you know, me too. I, I also have that. And and so now it's also about me where then she feels may feel like I need to comfort him now. You know, yeah. so I, I think it's probably it was the right thing to do well, to not so here's bring the, it up. I felt of two minds later, but I do think that in the moment what's actually happening is that he's thinking frantically, yeah. do I tell her right now? And instead yeah. of reacting to her in a sort of demonstrative comforting way, he's thinking, do I tell yes. her now? playing out all of the questions that you just delineated, Michael. Um, But I actually think it can be very comforting to express that you've been there as well and to not make it about you, but to use that to say access your comfort and to open your arms. Yeah. Like, I don't think he would, but what actually ended up happening later, and this is going to sound really critical of Greg, but I don't mean it to be um, because it's natural to some extent, but like, They go to dinner and he sits down and tells her, you know, I understand because I also lost my dad two years ago to cancer. It was very sudden. And and then we see a conversation where Greg is very upset and Katie is comforting him. 
So what we end up seeing is a conversation where Katie shares her pain and he's kind of too in his head to really coax it out of her and comfort her. And then another conversation where he shares his trauma and that conversation is really totally about his trauma and she is actively comforting him. And I was like, maybe it would have almost been better for him to to get his trauma on the table earlier um, so that he could be emotionally present in that conversation when hers was at the foreground. Yeah. Instead of not really being able to. But of course, we only see an edited aspect of this. So we don't really know what happened. But like, that's sort of the sequence that we saw. And it made me wish that he had in that moment just been like, oh, man, I know how hard that is. Like, tell me more, you know, and like put his arm around her. Um, I don't know. I'm here. I'm here for you. Yeah. And I also think if you're going to be in your own head and that's going to paralyze you and prevent you from truly being there for for Katie, you might as well share, you know, your trauma. (laughs) Like you might as well because you're you're already kind of stuck anyway. And you weren't really like like you said, the the sort of the contrast and the juxtaposition between Katie being there for him when he's telling his his story and, and, and vice versa is, is pretty stark. Um, and I think, you know, you might as well, if you're already in your head and, and kind of off, you know, also that would explain why you are maybe not being as comforting as you could possibly be. Yeah. I thought it was the, the dinner portion after like sort of this like cold disconnect almost of the earlier part of the date. Once they do connect on that and, and seeing Katie kind of like so generously like reach out for him like it was a really beautiful bonding moment and seeing both of them sort of like tear up in their shared understanding of that loss was like I found like very emotional to watch and I also Mm -hmm. loved that so often on these dates you would see someone trauma bond and then like immediately move it to some sort of like make out to almost like seal the connection and the two of them had what I thought was a very natural like warm embrace afterwards Mm -hmm. um and it just felt like very natural and sweet and like exactly what you would do when you kind of discover that sort of commonality with someone um and yeah I just found that really beautiful and I'm excited to see more of of their relationship and I like that so early we're seeing Katie make connections that feel substantive with people yeah, we are we are really seeing her find things in common with guys and have those conversations that feel like real date conversations that we often aren't shown on other seasons, uh, Matt's season, for example. Um, and at the same time, Greg is interesting to me. We've talked about how like Normie, like we might see him on Tinder. He seems I think he's very unthreatening for Katie. Mm-hmm. I think that he seems to her like the kind of guy who's very comfortable because she doesn't have this sense of like, this is a hotter, cooler, more accomplished guy than I could ever pull off the show or whatever. Like when she's coming in, she's like, they're all tens. Like she definitely feels like a little bowled over by all the hunks. And she's like, Greg is just like, he seems really impressed by me. He's nervous around me. He's like just a guy I might meet at a bar. Um that's very natural between them. So they do. Yeah, they have a very natural, comfortable uh, dynamic between them, I think, because she's not having that like feeling in her head in part of like, this is like a, a, a bachelorette guy, like he seems more normal. I don't know if that's going to be enough to carry them 
into marriage at the end. But for now, she's finding it very comforting. She seems to feel like he allowed her to kind of enjoy a date that might have been painful because of the reminders reminders of her father. Um, and so she gives him the rose and their fireworks. And then we move on to the final group date of the episode. John, Andrew S., Kyle, Josh, Aaron, Brendan, Hunter, and Cody. Let's get down and dirty. Michael left his child at home for this shit. Does not get a date this week. Poor Michael. He's like, I don't get to see my my son. I don't get to see Katie. <laughs> what am I doing? Um, I remember this week on my season. And do you know who did not get a date? My season this week. I didn't get a group date. Didn't get a one-on-one. Chris Siegfried. I was going to say, was it Chris? Now married, who is now married to Desiree and has two beautiful children uh, living in Oregon. And, and so, yeah, I mean, sometimes um, yeah. those things happen. But I, I remember as someone, you know, I was on the dodgeball group date that week and where I broke my thumb. Um, <laughs> and uh, so, Chris, you didn't miss anything there. But at the same time, I remember being like, and I liked Crystal. I already could tell he's a great guy, and, and which is why we're still friends to this day. But I remember feeling so bad for him, you know, being like, imagine, you know, he didn't have a child at home, you know, but like, you just imagine coming here and just like, it's second week and you're, you don't even get on a group date, like, you know, yeah. which to me is like, you know, a group date's not a, a real prize, you know, but you don't <laughs> but even you get, get to that. leave the house. Well, they have yeah, to you leave. You don't even get to leave the house. They could fully put everyone on a group date if they wanted to. Like, there's no cap yeah. on these dates. They do it to make everyone else feel grateful. They're like, well, you got a group date. Look at Michael. He didn't get a group date. He's just sitting right. over there feeling sad for himself. Um, but after this date, I think he really was the winner because... I would absolutely not have wanting to be on this date. Tasha and Caitlin uh, in full denim and cowboy boots and hats, full I cowboy regalia. I was so into their outfits. I'm oh like, the, it's amazing <laughs> having two women in the host roles because like instead of just only wearing plain blue button-ups and suits all the time, they're like showing up in sparkly cowgirl get ups and like I was I was just I was here I'm here for the yeah, fashion definitely Chris Chris could not have pulled off those Chris outfits could not have pulled did. off That's the denim sure. onesie that there's Caitlin no was question wearing. about that <laughs> I wish he would have tried but um Tasha and Caitlin sneak into the bedroom um the dorm room that the guys are in and they wake them up it's the crack of dawn pots and pans and they're like no time. You can't stop. You can't put a shirt on. You can't put on pants. We're like, you got to get out to the pad outside without shoes. No shoes. No shirt. Like they would have certainly been denied service at a restaurant. That's all I'm saying. <laughs> I not in Florida. <laughs> Unfortunately, this is not in Florida, <laughs> Michael. If they tried to escape at this moment, they wouldn't have gotten far. Let's just put it that way. Um, how they control people i mean this is the 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 same date they do with women wake them up super early uh rouse them out of bed the bachelor is there to kind of like see what they look like without makeup on i felt like there was a smidge of that here it's like let's get you out there in your boxer briefs so katie can like see what you look like before you put on your pants i was like okay i always feel a little queasy about enforced yeah i I related to john who just showed up like completely wrapped in a giant blanket. I was like, yeah, that was wise. 
smart <laughs> from the gift smart shop. John. He stopped, yeah. he clearly he stopped, stopped at the, at the gift, gift shop. shop. He stopped at the, the gift out. shop to yeah. get his Navajo inspired. Uh, the whole place is just blanket. draped in blankets. Like just you just reach out yeah. your hand. There's an outfit right there. Um, and it is, I mean, in a troubling juxtaposition to all of the uh, culturally appropriated uh, native imagery in the resort. It is a cowboy themed date. Um, it's Katie's big buckle brawl. Uh, they're all going to be mud wrestling for Katie, dressed up as cowboys. Uh, Katie is really into cowboys as a look, it appears. A lot of comments about how hot the cowboys are. She'll take a cowboy for herself. Um, I just really encourage everyone to question the romance of the cowboy, uh, manifest destiny, uh, et cetera. Uh, yeah, and the genocide. I was gonna say there's a lot of a, a lot of uh, manifest destiny undertones. In this yeah, state. Um, not into it. Save a horse, ride a cowboy. Ugh. Yeah. Ugh. Mm. No, so, thank you. No, no thanks. Mm. Um, but still save the horse. Yeah, save the horse. Yeah, save the horse. Protect the protect the horse at all costs. Protect the horse. Protect the horse. Yeah. And. So the guys all get into their denims and their flannels and prepare to do battle in the mud in the traditional cowboy fashion. There is an ambulance waiting, I would say, sort of hopefully. Uh, The camera pans to it as if to say, don't worry, someone might get very injured. Yeah, they're like, on the one hand, we would like someone to get injured so we can put them in the ambulance. On the other hand... Please only wrestle on your knees so that we can actually avoid major injury. They want to definitely take your shirts off. (laughs) Oh, well, you can't. Everyone knows, Michael, you you can only wrestle with your pants on. It's how these things work. Denim, excellent for wrestling and mobility in general. Shirts, no. (laughs) They leave their hats on, though, which I. It's quite a vibe. Yeah. It's a vibe. Um, so uh, we we see a few um, a few bouts. Uh, Andrew versus Kyle. Andrew, of course, is a professional football player. Kyle is like a professional like software salesman or something of that nature. Poor Kyle is like to my mom, "You're the best person I know." To my brothers, "You can't have my stuff," <laughs> which I agree with. Like you need to put siblings yeah. in their place before you die. Um, he, he is badly defeated by Andrew. Uh, John is similarly destroyed by Josh, although he smiles the entire time. Smile, yeah. Oh. Smile on his face John the entire John is so time. good-natured. I find him so <laughs> yeah. just, like, delightful and sweet. He, like, shows up in a blanket. He's like, I would prefer not to die. This really isn't my scene. And I was like, John, that makes you even more attractive. <laughs> Um, the old ranch hand who's kind of manning the fight makes a weird joke. It's like, let's go. This isn't your senior prom. And I was like, What does like, he think yeah. happens at the senior prom? I guess uh, he was like, that guy was job. like an extra from Duck Dynasty. I don't know who that, <laughs> what that guy was. I was what like, his I... role was. <laughs> uh, finally, it's uh, a, the big bout we've all been waiting for between Aaron and Cody. Why are we waiting for this? Oh, right. Remember how they were fighting? on the premiere night and no one knew why we're finally going to hear more about that. Um, apparently they know each other from back home. Aaron doesn't like Cody. He's made that very clear. 
And now everyone is seeing them gird up for their fight. And they're like, these two guys, they're avoiding eye contact. There's tension in the air. Something is not right. So they start mud wrestling. It looks, I would say, exactly the same as all of the other mud wrestling to me. But everyone present can tell from the precise way that they're mud wrestling that something's off. I wonder if no like smiling. the other guys were sort <laughs> no, of like there was ban- no bantering before, during the, yeah, during that wrestling bout. Like I, I wonder if there was just like pre wrestling stuff between most of them where they're like making jokes and these two were just like stone faced. It was definitely a case where they decided they had to tell us that something was happening because they didn't know how to show us, which always annoys me a little bit on this show when like they can't convey that something is the case, so they just have the cast narrate it in a really insistent way. It's like, oh yeah, something was really off. They looked really aggressive with each other. It was totally different from the other guys. And I was mm-hmm. like, couldn't you have shown us some footage that really conveyed that? Whatever. This is just a storytelling mode. Um, yeah. And ultimately, Katie's golden cowboy belt, a sort of dainty belt with a medium-sized buckle, which I like, it seemed practical, goes to Aaron because he fought with so much conviction. I don't know. I'm not sure. Because he, he really it. fucking hates Cody's guts. And as a reward, Aaron gets a few minutes alone with Katie. And immediately she's like, why do you hate Cody? (laughs) And he's like, let me tell you exactly why. I know him from back home. He did some social media posts that rubbed me the wrong way. I know he wants to become famous. And he handles things in a way that I find disturbing and malicious. Like, what does that mean i hated the lack of specificity like what were the social media posts what did they say how did you glean he wants to be famous it's not carl level but it's close right yeah i I was like look like cody seems i'm i have you know no loyalty to cody but i was like i do feel a little bit bad for him because like later when katie confronts him i'm like how is he even supposed to defend himself against this and like, why didn't he defend? Why didn't I mean he did say a few times? I have no idea what he's talking about. So so I mean I I don't know. Um, but you know and maybe this is a, a situation where maybe there was some specificity and we it just wasn't shown to the audience. Um, maybe there was more. I, I don't know. But it seemed like pretty thin. And it, and this is just another situation of like primacy versus recency. And once you put in someone's mind this idea, you know, Cody bad. It's, you know, it's very hard then to to change that narrative and to yeah. convince them otherwise. Especially you know? if and she's I, not I, into him. You yeah, know, like, that's right. the thing. It's like she heard this bad thing about him. She doesn't like him that much anyway. So it right. like, made sense He's to me not that she was just like, yeah. Yeah. Send, him, send him away. One Why should I waste my time? The jury pool has been tainted and they're going to have <laughs> to move Cody's future dating to a different jurisdiction. Yeah, at least a different venue, for yeah. sure. Yeah, thank you, um, Michael. Um, so, <laughs> yes, as soon as Katie gets to the after party, the guys have finally showered off the mud. She immediately pulls Cody, asks him what's going on. And it does seem like we don't see her or Cody reference the existence of other specifics. She says, you know, Aaron used words like malicious and unkind, and he keeps being like, I don't know what he's referring to. And 
maybe he was like exaggerating something and she's like oh so he exaggerated something you did say and he's like she's like i don't, I don't know. know he's what like he's i don't know to. what did he say that i said like yeah. oh, um and he I says found this frustrating how can i prove that i'm here for the right reasons and she's like well all i can do is hear you both out and figure it out and um it's true we've got a real he said he said situation here and the only way to resolve this on the bachelor is to decide which person you want to like date more, more and get yeah. rid of the other ones that they're not fighting all the time. Or you could do it. Remember when Claire did this? And I think it was like groundbreaking for the franchise. But she literally during the conversation, she's like, wait right here. And she go gets the other guy. And <laughs> yeah. she's like, now I want to hear, you know, like a mediator. Like now I want to hear both sides like here face that like I don't like I think that's the most, you know, productive way of doing it is yeah. like, you know, what is the specific thing that he did? Because this sounds so, you know, it, it does sound so ambiguous. Yeah, I'd rather see them face each other if they can't get specific. But then if they face each other, they could still just shout at each other. Well, I don't like you, man. And you know it, which is and then you probably know. she'd right. have to Katie just send them know. both home. Right. I think the truth is Car- uh, Katie's just a little bit into Aaron and not into Cody. And so she was like, why bother? And I think yeah. she she now is like holding Aaron up as like he's the truth teller. He's the one who was yeah. brave enough uh, to come to me. And our uh, one of our producers, Harry, made a good point that like Katie loves a narc because mm-hmm. she was one on Matt's season, which is so true. Yeah, she's like I was the one who was brave enough to tell the truth about what's going on in the house. So all of these right. guys must be just as righteous but like unfortunately most of them are just like shit stirrers but like i'm like desperate to know what this drama is and now because yeah, why do Cody they not like each other gone, i don't we get never it. find out they're both we have like, no like guess, surfers from san diego so i'm hoping that it's like some really juicy surf community beef but we may never know now and maybe they all wore masks of um dead presidents and went to rob a bank um, I'm referring to the Point Break, of course, uh, <laughs> narrative here. Uh, and they, they, you know, someone did not get their cut of the the bank proceeds. Um, but that no, does I sound mean, deeply I, malicious, yeah. to be honest. But I can see yeah, why you wouldn't I, want to talk about that. But I also think you're so as a as a cast member too. I, I get at that point about Katie being an arc in her season is a, is a great point. But I also think you are so incentivized. By throwing someone else under the bus, like especially if you are stressed about your own uh, ability to remain there and get a rose, like eliminating like just the math alone, like eliminating one guy increases your chances, you know, significantly. And 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 obviously eliminating a guy who you don't like for whatever reason is really just such a, a boost to your chances. And, and it's one less stressful thing you have to worry about being there is like I have to be in the same room with this guy that just rubs me the wrong way. Right. Uh, whether that's fair or not. But like, you know, if if I don't know, I don't know that the, I don't know that Aaron should be rewarded so much for that. Well, it's early days. So we'll see. Yeah, I'm sure he'll implode him. soon. Um, and uh, so she does send Cody home. Um, and it seems like one of her reasons is that he is too impassive when he's receiving this accusation. She would expect some more demonstrative mm. response to show that he's innocent Katie, um, you know, this is a common fallacy. People react to accusations in all kinds of different ways, um, as we know through our broken justice system. Um, But, and Gone Girl, quite frankly, which, you know, is a major pop culture phenomenon. 
Um, but mostly she just doesn't really like Cody. So she sends him home. That She's was like, Dunkin' Donuts Ben in Gone Girl, right? Yeah, exactly. Yes. Coming full um, circle here in our cultural references. Yeah. <laughs> And so she goes back in and she's like, I need a moment for myself now that I've sent Cody home. She's feeling shaken. And so Andrew S. goes to find her. And Good move, her. Andrew. Yeah, very smart. She's really just like offering herself up. She's like, I'm upset. I'm going to go somewhere else. I'll be over and there if anyone needs me. He goes to find her, which, because again, this works well because she she likes him. They have, like, a genuinely good connection. And they end up having a really great conversation where they talk about growing up poor and in families who with parents who, like, made every creative effort to kind of shield their children from those financial instabilities. And... I think I said this during the first episode, but it is really rare for us to have a lead who didn't grow up wealthy. And so I I love that they can have these kind of conversations and, and make kind of specific references, like talking about like free lunches and talking about the shame that is so often even put onto children um, who grow up, you know, without these like overt markers of of wealth. Um, I thought was really nice and it was really cool to see them connect over that. And you could tell that Andrew was like, really like, oh, I did, this is a thing I didn't know about you. And I'm taking that in and I'm responding back to you in this like very natural way where I'm sharing about myself. And like, it was, it was just a really, it was a nice moment. And I think that, um, I think that Andrew is a real contender here, especially because this like quickly moved into Katie sort of like making eyes at him and making a, a joke about like how she was looking at him. And then like they had a very, a very nice little make This out. is the classic like reading the room moment. Yes, that, yes exactly. Yeah. exactly. He didn't need to ask in that moment. But what I love is that in a so way obvious. he did ask, like she's giving him the come hither eyes, right? Yeah. And he doesn't say, can I kiss you? He eyes. says, you right. gotta stop looking at me like that. So it's kind of a flirtatious way of it's being a flirtatious like, you're giving verbal. me a look, yeah. right? Yeah. yeah. And she's like, so yeah, I am. Ask. He didn't ask. Okay. Well, he didn't no. ask, but he like, he, he, issued a like a little flirtatious statement that was a way no, like of further that. solidifying giving yeah, her a chance to good. respond by right. being like yeah said, I'm looking at you she said maybe I'm looking at you like that on purpose on purpose yeah. and it was Ugh. so cute and the it was like it was totally a sexy way to get that kind of verbal consent in a way that isn't just like may I kiss you right now ma'am my lips on your lips yeah check now, yes or please. no I don't know yeah, Andrew maybe. Andrew's really grown on me. I, I like yeah. him a lot. This was it's sad, like in a way that the bar is this low, but like <laughs> I feel like it's so rare that we do see a conversation where you see them like organically talking about their past in a way that is detailed, specific, and connected yeah. to something meaningful about who they are now. And this conversation had all of that in a very small tight package plus kissing. And so I'm I A love plus. It. A plus to both of them. Thank and then we moment. go, unfortunately, to uh, a moment that made me sort of sad, which is Josh uh, telling her that he used to be very overweight and it was, uh, you know, hard for him wrestling to take his shirt off in front of her. And she's like, well, you looked great. And like, so it's sort of played as this like nice, empowering thing. And like his relationship with his body is like obviously his own business and his weight. But 
we never have like people who are fat on the bachelor or the bachelorette but we do sometimes have people come on and be like i used to be fat and ugly and now i guess i'm hot i don't know am i hot now that i'm skinny right and, it and just then makes and then it's the so lead needs depressed. to be like of course you look amazing and like there of course is no other way to respond to that other than like I think you're attractive. I think you look great. But it is, it does like throw into such stark relief the like very intense lack of body diversity we have on this show. Like there is such a stringent um, requirement for bodies to take up like a very specific amount of space and not that much of it. And if they do take up more space, it has to be height or muscle. And like, it's just, so it feels really uncomfortable to have this snippet that is as you said Claire played in this empowering way and you're like oh so what you're just like reinforcing is that like fatness is disgusting yeah and he not couldn't attractive. have taken his shirt off and, before yeah and that you wouldn't have even been allowed into this space to have a conversation about your body had you not already like made it conform to yeah. certain cultural standards like the idea that like a person could be fat and really attractive to someone else is just a concept that doesn't exist on this show. Um, and they cast like 30 people to date the lead every season. They don't have room for like even a single person who's like, I'm fat and I'm hot and like people are into that and that's okay. Um, it's just like, yeah. yeah you're Sorry, always, the, I got really you're always the after. You're always the always after and never the before. And these like, and yeah. you know. To use the dietary photo analogy, yeah, yeah, um, yeah. I totally agree with that. Um, and I, I remember it's just funny. I remember in my season, um, and I was, you know, it's funny. I, I was someone, you know, that, so that resonated with me. That that conversation was I was someone who, in you know, middle school and, and whatever, I was heavy and picked on and bullied and everything else, and and um, you know, eventually, obviously lost that weight and got taller or whatever, whatever kids go through in their, you know, middle school to, to, to high school, et cetera. But, um, I remember just going on to my season and, and not having really watched much of the franchise before and just being sort of astonished that like every single person was like chiseled and had like six packs. And like, I was just like, Oh my God, this is, this is crazy. You know, it's like, everyone is like, they look they're Everyone is like built like a Greek God, you know? Yeah. Even compared to other dating shows and other like yeah. dating reality shows, I feel like it's notable the specific ways in which the bachelor cast tends to be very homogenous. And that's one of the, the ways like there's never even like a smidgen toe out of line in, in the sense of like fitting a certain like body type. Um, so, she has a couple other conversations, but ultimately the rose for the state goes to Andrew. And then we see a little teaser, Katie getting ready for the cocktail party in a green metallic one sleeve dress and hoop earrings that I recognize from some drama previews, which means, oh yeah, we're going to have some more drama in this episode after we take a quick break. I am someone who is perpetually facing the issue of my closet is messy and full, and yet I feel like I have nothing to wear. Mm -hmm. But Quince has been an absolute game changer for my style. Same. If I really need a new luxury basic, I know where I'm going to find one that is going to 
fit the bill, work for a lot of different occasions and styles. And I'm also going to stay on budget, which is a huge plus. They have items like 100% Mongolian cashmere sweaters for just $50, organic cotton sweaters, washable silk tops, and timeless 14 karat gold jewelry. The best part is that all Quince items are priced 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And by partnering directly with top factories, Quince cuts out the cost of the middleman and passing... uh, and passes the savings on to us. Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing practices and premium fabrics and finishes. I love Quince for their wardrobe basics. Like, I have a really amazing leather blazer from Quince, but I also have gotten really into, like, their luggage and travel accessories. I just purchased an incredible, like, neoprene weekender bag, and it is such high quality. The color is beautiful. And I spent about half as much as I would have spent on a very similar product from a fancier brand name. Indulge in affordable luxury. Go to quince.com slash LTSI for free shipping on your order and 365-day returns. That's Q-U-I-N-C-E dot com slash LTSI to get free shipping and 365-day returns. Quince.com slash LTSI. One in five Americans have learned a new language on their bucket list. As they should. Learning a language is so important. So if that's you, make 2024 the year you finally check it off the list with Babbel, the science-backed learning language app that actually works. Babbel's quick 10-minute lessons are designed by over 150 language experts to help you start speaking a new language in as little as three weeks, which is kind of wild. One study found that using Babbel for 15 hours is equivalent to a full semester at college, aka so, so many days of waking up for an 8.30 class that I maybe didn't need to do at all. Plus, all of Babbel's 14 language courses are backed by their 20-day money-back guarantee. Personally, I've been trying to brush up on some basic French because I am headed to go work from Paris for a few weeks and... It's been really helpful because my French is not good, but now I don't have to sound like such an idiot. (laughs) You can never sound like an idiot, but Babbel can definitely help. Here's a special limited time deal for listeners. Right now, get 55% off your Babbel subscription, but only for our listeners at babbel.com slash LTSI. Get 55% off at babbel.com slash LTSI. Spelled B-A-B-B-E-L dot com slash LTSI. Rules and restrictions may apply. And now we're back and it is time for us to head to the cocktail party. Yeah, so this cocktail party is immediately colored by what just happened with Cody because Katie starts off by telling them all like, I learned Cody was here for the wrong reasons. And so I had to send him home. You know, this is my real life. This is your real life. And I'm a safe space. And I deserve to know. Please come tattle to me. Um, Katie, you're just really, like, encouraging them to behave poorly. Like, I understand what she's saying. Like, she and she was, like, one of these people on her season. But also she had, like, a good reason. She didn't, like, immediately week one just start like spreading rumors about people she like saw behavior over a period of time and was like the only path i see forward is to go like bring this to matt's attention well she's trying to enact a sort of reform to the system right 
which is like bad shit happens and everyone's afraid to tell the lead. Um, and so the lead keeps toxic people around for a long time because they don't know what's happening. But the reason that that taboo kind of exists is because of what we see now, which is if you say, no, come to me with everything, you create a huge incentive for the contestants to try to step on their opponents by talking shit about them without the fear that it's going to be held against them, which is um, what immediately starts percolating in Carl's mind. He's like, I don't know, guys, like looking around, like, I don't, don't you feel like maybe some of, some of these guys are here for the wrong reason? There could be three of you. Three there of could you be could five. be bad. Could be five. Who knows? Who knows? I'm just saying, just putting it out there. Some of you might not be trustworthy. He's like, What's what if there were seven who to 15 say? guys who were not here for the right reasons? Wouldn't wouldn't you want Katie to know? Like, the fact that it's a possibility makes me think maybe I should say something to Katie. The guys are all poor, like, what are you John talking is about? Like, John is like, perhaps <laughs> it's not worth your energy to deduce. Perhaps leave it there, Carl. And we're like, Carl will not be leaving it there. Or perhaps in 2021, being on the show is like, the golden goose and you can if you're on for three weeks you're going to have 250,000 Instagram followers and you can continue to make money if you want to do that sort of thing for the rest of your life and so maybe there are a majority of people that are you know 26 and 27 year old men who may not want to get married at the end of this show (laughs) which are not all desperate for marriage this is just the way it is today and I don't know what you do I mean yeah you you really cannot try to like parse out that because like at this point that is a calculation every single person who goes on any sort of reality television show is making like yeah. it's just it's if not you're the lead as, i think you just have to have it. the confidence to say like i came on a reality show if someone is like meant to be my husband they're gonna we'll fall connect. in love with me and want to marry me even if he came on here to promote his career as a pianist and vocalist or to sell more Nashville. skin or to sell more skin. skin. Like, no matter what the motivation, if if we're, like, compatible and he's, like, fundamentally a, a good person, you know, he'll be able to fall in love with me even if that wasn't his... Which I think is usually what ends up happening yes. with the person that they end up with. Um, and so she's laid the table here for Carl. But first she does steal Michael to make up for not bringing him on the date. I thought and this was really cute. Yeah, she's like, I just felt so good about you. I didn't need the extra validation this week. Sorry about all how you are here and you didn't see me or your son, but I felt fine about it. And he's like, yeah, no, no worries. I felt totally confident for sure. Uh, And then he asked to kiss her. Sorry, Michael. And they make out. And they seem to have a good thing going. He has a lot of nervous energy in his motions. He's he always does, like yeah. He's got moving some ticks his. And... <laughs> I think at I one love point seeing he says, stuff like, like that because it makes me feel like people are normal yeah. people. Yeah, I'm like, he doesn't know where to put his hands. I think at one point he's like, "Oh, I've been rejected a lot." Like, I was like, oh. yeah. I was like, "This is actually really cute." I was like, "If I died and my husband went on the Bachelorette, I feel like this is the kind of energy he would be bringing." Um, <laughs> So uh, Katie has a moment with Thomas uh, where he kind of grabs her head and kisses her cheek. I've noticed a lot of head grabbing from the guys this season. Specifically Cradling her head. A lot. Um, They're still having this wordless connection. Um, And then Carl sits down with her and is like, listen, 
I'm so glad you put that Cody thing behind you and that you can just focus on the guys who are here to make you smile and laugh. And like, I'm totally here for you. That's why I'm here. But, you know, I get it. Like, you're not in the house. So, you know, if you ever have doubts and you can like see him self-talking his way through this until all of a sudden he's saying, anyway, I'm not sure if everyone here is being transparent. I don't have any like details or names, but there are some people that don't have the best intentions. And then she's like, okay, so you're saying this, you're saying this like out of nowhere. Do you like have an example? Like, even if you're not going to give me names and he's like, oh no, no, sweetie, you've been through a lot. So I won't even give you any details. I know that's what you asked for, but I just, this is a gift to you. I won't stress you out. And she's like, uh, yeah, except you just said this big thing and I'm not really trying to waste my time. So can you just like fucking tell me? And he's like, no. And, so, and this also, just er, ma'am, derails Ma'am, ma'am this, is the, this is the early stages of my investigation. Um, <laughs> I don't want to disclose anything to you until I have... All if of you the just facts. Keep, if you just keep me yeah. around until fantasy suites, I can let you know then. Yeah, I should I should be able to conduct and conclude my investigation <laughs> by fantasy suites for sure, if not by hometowns. God he's, a, he's like, I just want you to stay vigilant and like believe. I hope you believe that you can trust me. And she's like, Yeah, okay. She looks so annoyed. She looks like the embodiment of like the mom on a sitcom who like it's Mother's Day and she thought that her husband would like make breakfast but then at the last minute he's like oh I've just like I've got to go like I forgot I had this tea time like can you just take the kids and she turns to the camera and like just looks like she wants to die that's kind of the face that Katie has here like yet again a man has disappointed me in a way that I cannot fix or control um and so Katie's like now I have to deal with this shit she's like I don't know why he would say this for no reason, basically. She's she's like, I guess I have to investigate this. But he's given me nothing. Um, and in this condescending way where he's pretending that it's like a gift to her that he's not going to give her details. It's very manipulative. It's just so bizarre. Like, what could make someone more stressed than finding out that there's a threat that they have to be vigilant about, but they will have no way to narrow down where the threat is coming from or what it might look like? <laughs> Yeah, it's now the bachelor terrible. has turned has turned into Clue. You know, three of the men in this room, this room right, are not like, here cool. for the right reasons. So now but... you're saying I can't trust anyone except for you, but also you're not giving me details, so I low-key don't trust you now. Like this just sends her completely spiraling. And then yeah. we see, you know, the 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 scene um we got in the teaser where she's like, a bomb has just been dropped. I've heard multiple people are here for the wrong reasons. If you, you're not here for me, if you're not here for an engagement, you can get the fuck out. And then she's like, Aaron, can I chat with you? And all the men are just sitting there being like, what the fuck just happened? Yeah. And what I think we're seeing with Aaron, too, is that he is a guy who previously came to her with information. So she's like, if he's if there's someone to be narked on, Aaron's going to do it. Yeah. So she's yeah. like, He'll Aaron. Yeah. Well, yeah. Can you corroborate this? And You're Aaron's someone like, I know. No, I have info. no fucking clue what yeah. any what any of this means. Like, Aaron's like, nothing has happened. 
And uh, meanwhile, yeah. Carl is looking kind of gleeful. I feel like he's like really gets high on manipulating her emotions oh, yeah. and it's like gross. killing the vibe. <laughs> like, he's like, I did this. Like, I'm very powerful and I'm the only person she trusts now. He tries not to admit it, though. But then like it, it's clear that the men are sort of like going through everyone that's talked to her. And finally, he's like, uh, I, you know, I might have said something just a little bit, but like. Yeah, don't he says, worry. She asked me who I thought wasn't being authentic. If she this did not, happened, she we did didn't not see ask. it. And we do see him walk himself a long way into that statement. So I, I'm not even sure where they would have cut her question from. She, she only asks ask. follow up questions like, "What do you mean?" and "Do you have any examples?" <laughs> He's like, "Well, she asked me, so I had to tell her." That right. some guys probably aren't here for the right reasons, I assume, just based on statistics. Also, Carl, like, there's clearly no romantic connection between Carl and Katie. And so, <laughs> no, like, this not is, at the, all. like, he is resorting to this to sort of, um, you know, justify his existence on the show and to justify, you know, being kept around. Like, he's put it into a situation of, Katie, you know, you get rid of me and I'm the one guy here who's, you know, who's looking out for you and who's, you know, going to come and tell you what's going on. Totally. And so you have to keep me here because he knows, you know, if obviously if he was... In a, if he were in a situation like she's in with Greg or one of the other guys that, you know, or Thomas, where they, you know, eat each other's face for the entire time they talk, <laughs> like, like he would not have to take on this, you know? And so this is his, yeah, this is, it's just, yeah. that's why it's so manipulative and, and just. And I'm sure a, it was heavily producer encouraged because the Cody thing happened almost too quickly. And now they have that great hometown beef. It's over. Um, they're like, we need more drama. Carl certainly was very happy, it seems, to step into that role and stir some shit. Um, but it the tactic is very, like, we're all familiar with the idea of, like, distancing a partner from their support system. And he's, like, very ham-handedly kind of almost explaining what he's doing as he's doing it. He's like, hi, you can't trust anyone around you. None of just these people me. emotionally distance yourself from them. Only trust me, right? You do trust me. I am yep. the person that you should be totally I'm the only vulnerable one. with. I'm the only one you can trust. This it's... sounds like an authoritarian <laughs> dictator. Yeah, it's very speak. creepy, frankly. Um, demagogue, yeah. Yeah, and so Aaron comes back in and they're all like, so yeah, we found the culprit. It's Carl. And... Aaron's like, that's the dumbest thing you could have possibly done. Now Katie's crying and upset. And you can't just like come at her sideways because you feel like probably someone is here for the wrong reasons based on nothing. And Carl tries to double down, though. He says like, well, I'm not going to name names because I'm just going to give the person the chance to own up to it. And they're all like, what are you talking about? Like, he clearly has no one in mind. He's clearly just saying this shit out of nowhere. And he's like, well... No, just you know who you are, one of you or three of you or five of you who can say. <laughs> it's a numbers game. Now, wherever you are. <laughs> He's like, I know this show. There's always at least three or four people there for the wrong reason. And you're reason. like, God damn it, Carl, do you not see that you're one of them? At one point, Trey, who I just love, he has great energy, says to the camera, he's just like, what is this guy doing? He's like, what a weak, spineless man you are. I was like, oh, Trey. Yeah, they, they've got great. the opportunity now to kind of give us some of those colorful sound bites from other men in the house about our new villain. The- but then again, like, you know, like, 
in like when it's down to the last three, something will happen. That guy will leave and then Carl will go on Twitter and be like, you see, I told you like that, that guy was, uh, I warned you. I tried to warn you, you know, sort of say like, that's what I was talking about, you know, way back when. I'm sure he will. Um, and yet those of us who don't follow him don't need to hear it. So. It's just amazing that he's like the oldest guy in the house. Like he is the least mature. And yet he's the, you know, what the 34 year old, like he's, you know, the one guy in his 30s in the house. I don't think it's a maturity question, personally. Like, I think that he is, his behavior is not, to me, immature so much as it is, like, kind of manipulative. It's it's manipulative. And not to, like, fully throw his whole industry under the bus, but, like, I think it's interesting how you can sort of frame what you're doing as motivational and inspiring and helpful when in fact you are magnifying and preying on people's insecurities and turning them to your own benefit and just something to chew on, you know, when it comes to the motivational and self-help and entrepreneur, uh, you know, salesmanship, uh, conference subculture like, I think we're seeing in Carl kind of a, a little anatomy about of how that psychology and that manipulation can work. And unfortunately, we're going to have to wait until next week to wrap up this storyline um, because this is where they leave us on a to-be-continued, so-early, no-rose ceremony. Michael, thank you so much for joining us. Oh, thank you for having me. This was uh, a fun return into this this universe. And now, you know, based on the preview from next week, I'm going to have to watch. I mean, Nick Nick shows up. Nick yeah, shows yeah. Up our our buddy Nick is making our a buddy cameo. Nick shows up, and um, you know, maybe we'll get to see what what comes out of this Carl situation. Um, You're in it know. now, buddy. I'm sorry. Yeah, now I want I you know I'm rooting for and I am rooting for Katie. She's she's so relatable and so likable, and and you know I hope. I hope that she does, you know, get what she's looking for out of this. I certainly don't say that about everyone, every lead. No, so, no you don't. Um, <laughs> so Brutally I, honest. I am, I, am, I am rooting for Katie. I'm a fan of Katie. Oh, thanks, Michael. Thank you, girls. And now it's time for love to see it, hate to see it. First, love to see it. This week, we really loved watching Katie bonding with both Andrew S. and Greg over very genuine shared past experiences. I'm going to give that one a five. I really just loved it that much. It was beautiful to see. Um, For me, my love to see it is just Connor not being in his cat suit. Um, Sorry to be cat suit negative, but I found it to be a bit of a bummer. And I appreciated getting to see him and his full smoldering piano playing human form, human form, you know, cradling her head in his human hands. Um, And so I'm going to give that a four because, you know, I think he could still do a little bit more to win me over. But four is pretty good at this point, Connor. And now for hate to see it, Um, as we've talked about before on this show, we truly hate to see them romanticizing male violence, as was done on the cowboy theme date, which also has some very ugly historical uh, undertones to it. So I don't know, Claire. What do you think? Four point five five. Yeah, let's give let's give that a five. I really hate, hate it. I hate the casual <laughs> romanticization of the cowboy. 
I, I and hate, violence. I hate the the men uh, romantically swinging their torsos at each other in the name of proving themselves for love. It's all bad um, and totally predictable. But yeah, let's give that a five. Also, no rose ceremony this early. Like we're at it's episode two. It's a crime. We're already ending on a cliffhanger. I'm gonna give that a three because they could still make it up to me with some really good rose ceremony drama. Totally agree. And on that note, that's it for Love to See It with Emma and Claire. Thanks so much to our wonderful guest, Michael Garafola. Love to See It is produced by us, Claire Fallon and Emma Gray, and Stitcher. This episode was edited by Sarah Patterson. Our theme music is by Tamar Haviv. Our art is by Celine Chang. Josephine Martirana is our executive producer. If you like the show, please help us out and give us a five-star rating and leave us a review. It really helps other people discover the show. And if you want to get in touch, you can always email us at claireandemmapod at gmail.com and find us on Twitter at love to see it pod and Instagram at claireandemmapod. I'm also on Twitter and Instagram at emmaladyrose. And I'm at Claire E. Fallon. We'll be back next week for week three of Katie's Journey. Pulling up to Mickey D's just for drinks? Oh yeah, that's me. Nothing extra, just perfection and a straw. Coming in hot for the coldest cups on the block. Because there are drinks. Then there are drinks from McDonald's. Mix things up with any size lemonade or sweet tea for $1.49. Perfect with our classic fries. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Luxury is meant to be livable. Discover the new leather collection at Ashley with premium quality leather sofas, recliners, and more, all built to last. No matter how many spills, scuffs, or pet-related mishaps come its way, the leather collection at Ashley is made with the durability you need for the whole family. Shop the new leather collection at Ashley and find chairs starting at $499.99 and sofas at $599.99. Ashley, for the love of home.